Hey folks, this is Damon and this is Theater Tales of the Techie and we're going to um, go off the reservation for a minute as I like to put it. So, you know, I started working on a series about sales and I got a really interesting email from a uh, young man and he basically asked, <clears throat> well, how do I put this? He basically said he's terrified of failure and he doesn't understand why he doesn't fit in with certain people. And, um, and look, I know all of us when we're young are trying to find ourselves. We're trying to figure out how to fit into the theater industry. You know, when I worked in theater when I was in high school, I shouldn't say work, but when I was in high school theater, I had an unbelievable teacher. Um, his name was Gary Myers, and he ended up becoming one of my um, mentors in life, one of the most important people in my life. So much so that once I left school for the next 10 years, I went back and helped with different shows and working on things in that theater to keep it all working. And everybody has mentors. Everybody looks back on somebody who changed their life. But when it comes to failing... And it comes to fitting in with people. Um, you know, I shared before about the book, The Disp of Fifth Discipline, <clears throat> a book that really, really uh, touched me. And it really, it really made me realize that I got to get people to enroll in my ideas and to enroll uh, in what the team wants to do instead of just being complacent. But what I want to talk about is, um, and folks, this is going to be weird for me because... Um, I'm not sure really how to put this, but there's, I'm always, I'm always continually trying to learn, you know, I have my own insecurities, you know, I know I could design anything in the world, but to get people to see my vision and to back me and understand some of my quirkiness, you know, folks, when I send emails, everybody thinks I'm screaming at them. They think I'm putting them down. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that they're basically a sack of shit. And that's never been my intention. And I've really had to look at how I write emails. You know, I've got friends saying I should shoot, use that chat GPT to send emails because it, it could write it in a much better way than I know how to construct an email. But when I look at, you know, <clears throat> coming out of high school and starting to build like big speaker cabinets for my friends and working on dimming systems and rigging systems and then going to the Lily Theater, the Lily Theater, um, I had zero reason to get that job. I didn't have the right experience. I didn't have any college. I, but I did have the skills. Okay. But at that time, I had more chance of probably winning a lot lottery than I did getting that job. But I got that job. And you know why I got that job? Because I tried. When it comes to failure, you've already failed if you don't try. If you see a job you want, and you say, oh, I'm not good enough, and you don't go for that job, you failed. And I want to tell you an interesting story, folks. Um, and first of all, I have a, a little group of friends that we send each other some really interesting things. Um, I don't want to call it all self-help. Self um, but today we're going to, I mean, or yeah, this morning. So it's March 2nd, and it's early, like 6.30 or something. Um, and I'm beat because yesterday I drove, well, the day before yesterday, I drove all the way to Michigan to meet with some engineers, had a five hour meeting and then drove all the way back yesterday. Um, <clears throat> so, um, but the cool thing was, is I got to listen to two audible books on that drive. I listened to one book going up and another book coming down. Now, of course the book's got to be less than five hours long. 
And I strategically do that because I hate going on a drive and only listen to half the book uh, unless I can listen to the other half coming back. But um, so I'm going to talk about failure a little bit. And then I'm going to talk about this thing called the working genius, which about a year and a half ago, a friend of mine sent me um, a link to the book and I bought the Audible. And I fell in love with this. But folks, it's uncomfortable for me to talk about this because it kind of puts, it, it tells me who I am. The six types of working geni genius, if you take the assessment, tells you who you are and how you get along with other people. And sometimes that's really uncomfortable. But if you want to have a functioning team, it's important. Okay, it really is. And, and I'm sure nobody who's listening to this has ever heard of this because this is kind of a nerd thing between me and my friends. So, um, but when it comes to failure, I want to tell you a story and folks, this, this touched me so much. Um, oh, and just so you know, um, this, this young man reached out to me. We spent an hour and a half talking about everything I'm sharing right now. And, um, at the end of it, he said he was super stoked. Okay. And I, I, well, he didn't say stoked. I don't think anybody says that. He said he was super impressed with our conversation or something like that. Um, but I want to tell you a story. Um, there was this girl. And um, at about the age three, she was already learning how to read music. Um, her grandma, I think it was, got her into the piano. And this girl really thought by the time she was nine that she was going to play in Carnegie Hall and all of these big places around the world. She practiced every day. And when she was like 13 or 14, she went to like this piano camp for the summer. And then she realized she was mediocre. And it really, and I, I may not be telling this whole story perfect, folks, but I'm, I'm generalizing. So she thought, okay, I got to practice harder. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then when she was like 16, she went to another like piano camp. And then it hit her again. I'm just mediocre. I'm not a prodigy. You know, some of these people, you know, playing the piano are truly gifted. And I, and I can play the piano great. And I can do incredible things. But I'm not a prodigy. So she realized that, okay, maybe I need to be thinking about something different that will bring me joy. And, and I think the story goes, she talked to a counselor and the counselor actually got her into, uh, um, I think it was economics and uh, political science and all these different things. She went to college and studied stuff about Russia and stuff. And this little girl grew up to be Condoleezza Rice, uh, Secretary of State. So all the years when she was a kid, she wanted to be the pianist. She wanted to be the greatest in the world. But she just, she just, not everybody can be a prodigy. Not everybody can be that really, really special one. But does that mean she failed? Um, maybe at the becoming what her dream as a child was, but our dreams are constantly being morphed and changed by what we learn in life, by our skills. You know, I wanted to be the greatest lighting designer in the world um, when I was like, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. Keep in mind, Genesis, you know, started their tour down there in Barcelona with the first very lights. And when those came out, I think every lighting person in the world wanted to be a part of that. But I ended up being a mediocre to average lighting designer. You know, honestly, um, and I guess what I want to do is, is, is in this podcast say, so what? What if you end up being mediocre at like 10 things that people really need? 
and you're being mediocre at those 10 things, uh, delivers something that these people need that they don't know how to do. And you look like a rock star. You know, am I a great podcaster? Hell no. I'm doing this to try to convince college and high school kids that there's a bunch of career paths in the theater industry. Do I probably suck at a podcast? Probably. I'm definitely not, you know, like some of these people that I worship that do podcasts. Um, and I don't have millions of followers and, you know, um, hell, there was one of my friends a couple of years ago told me those sports guys sold their podcast like for 10 or $12 million or some crap. Um, but the, the, but the thing is folks, you, when you look at failure and, you know, I've always said in other podcasts, I hate it when people say you learn from failures. Um, because if you're being hired to develop something and you keep failing, you're blowing somebody's money, you're wasting money. Did I learn from that? Yeah. But do I need the anxiety in that because I'm blowing somebody's money? I'm wasting somebody's money. You know, folks, I'm working on this, what I call the Manhattan Project right now. And actually, um, by anybody looking from the outside in, thinks it's probably going perfect. To them, it is. And, and that's 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 and that's not a lie. It's 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 a it's a fact to them. They're like, hey, this is great. To me, when I'm looking at all the data and all the things that I have to make sure are done properly and are under control on budget, on time, and all that stuff, to me, it's it it it's, it can be very very frustrating. I'm holding myself to a standard um, because I want to fulfill the goal. It's not that I'm afraid of failure. I want to fulfill a goal. So, you know, failure in my life, folks, you know, and when you talk about failure, um, we're all scared of what we can't control. You know, I know a CEO 15 years ago that was lied to, misled. People gave him all this stuff. And I ended up getting an email from him about three years later. It says, Damon, you were like one of the only voices that was telling me the truth. And I never listened to you because I didn't know any better. I just didn't get it. So folks, you, when you think of failure, there are so many different modes of failure. You know, let's say you walk into a store and say, Hey, I need this battery. And they're like, Oh no, no, this battery's great. And you're like, Hmm, I don't know anything about batteries. So you take that battery home, you stick it near whatever. And, um, three or four months later it quits and you go back and say, Hey, you know, this battery quit. And they're like, Oh yeah, those quit, you know, after about three months. And you're like, why didn't you tell me that? And you ask him, well, how do I get one to last longer? Oh, well, you got to pay for a more expensive lithium-ion battery. You know, that one I gave you was, was the cheapest one. That person assumed you were looking for price and not quality. F folks, one of the things I have tried so hard to get my wife, daughter, and son to think about is anytime you're buying something, don't buy the cheapest. You know, if, if you knew how many vacuum cleaners I've thrown away, in our trash can because they go out and buy the cheapest and I'm, I'm willing to pay more money if I know it's going to last 10 years, you know, and we live in a world where everybody wants to think, Oh, we got to buy the cheapest. And, and, and that is so far from the reality of what you really want, as long as you can afford it. Now look with Amazon. Now you can buy stuff so cheap. I don't even know how they make it. 
I don't even know. I don't even think it's made on this planet. I think we have some slave planet somewhere where things are being made for dimes and pennies. Because I don't know even in China how they, uh, or Mexico, how they build some of this stuff. You know, when I can buy a digital caliber off Amazon for $12, I think the aluminum in that digital caliber would cost $12. But when you think of failure and you think about what, what does that really mean? You know, um, folks, I've had many of my friends use a phrase saying, man, that's crazy, Damon. But awesome, it worked. You know, folks, um, there was a study done by Harvard something or another that when they removed the requirements for a college degree, they thought they'd get more applicants to come in and apply for the job. And what they realized was it was their interview process that was that was failing in the study. By removing the college degree, ninety six percent of the ninety six percent of the people hired still had college degrees that applied. They thought they were. I mean, keep in mind there is a vacuum in our country. Um, you know, everybody you know looks at the news and says, "Oh, you know the the uh, unemployment's down." Well, the reason it's down is some people are working three jobs now. Because nobody pays very good, you know. Um, you know, if you look at people that are between like twenty six or whatever it is and thirty five, these people can't get wages to really pay for food and pay for the good apartment, and pay for the good cars. So some of them work two jobs. Well, when you look at the the job list, well, of course it doesn't look like there's that many jobs out there because people are taking the cheap jobs, so unemployment goes down. But when you start to really break down what that means, people thought that if they removed the requirement for a college degree, that more people would apply. And it didn't happen. Now, I don't have a college degree. I would still apply for that and say that my skills and experience and my proven record of success uh, means you should at least evaluate me. And if they said I had a college degree, I had to click it. I'd probably lie and say, yeah, I got one. But as soon as I got in there, I said, look, I wanted to get in your door. I clicked. I have a college degree. I don't. If that really is necessary, I'll, I'll leave, you know, but folks, I haven't had to apply for a job in 30 years. Um, um, everybody comes find me. So now what I want to do folks is roll into something that's really uncomfortable because I'm going to share with you my assessment report. So look about a year and a half and it might've been two years ago. Um, heck it might've been more than that. Um, a friend of mine reached out to me. Uh, we were actually, in all transparency, two or three of my friends were on a, um, I don't know if it was a Zoom we were using, or maybe it was, we had all connected through our phones or our iPhones or whatever, but we were, we, we used to have this think tank. We'd get along, get along, get, get together and talk about aviation and model aircraft and drones and just kind of shoot the crap. And, um, I've always made a joke, folks, that when people are in a really big pinch, they always reach out to me to save the day. But they never are the first to ask me to lead a job. It's normally after two or three people have failed at something that I get the phone call and says, okay, Damon, nobody can make this right. What do you think? And folks, this is where you got to be careful because I, I jump in with both feet and say, sure, I'll give it a try. You know, um, I don't know how smart that is. I haven't failed a lot, so it, it must be somewhat smart, but you got to be really, really careful. 
Um, but literally over the last 25 years, I'd say most of my successful projects is because they didn't come to me first. They went to other people and it didn't work. And then they came to me and said, David, can you try to do this? Well, I was explaining this to my friends, but I told them what really, really bothered me is that I know I could design virtually anything. I know I could, you know, lead a team to success, but I need the right team. I've got to have the right team working around me. I can't have pissers and moaners and groaners and complainers. And I, and, and one thing that really drives me nuts is when you have like a really, 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 really good engineer that then starts talking all about design because the designs already happened on the front end. You need the engineer to engineer the product. Okay. That drove me nuts. And my friend goes, Damon, have you heard of the six types of working genius? I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and, and first of all, folks, I hate the word genius. I really do. Do you know how many times people say, oh my God, Damon, you're a genius. Well, maybe at building model airplanes or designing things to them, maybe I'm a genius. Okay. Um, and folks, maybe I am a genius, but nobody ever wants to stand around on a street corner and go, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. Now I'll tell you one thing. It's funny is when you first get your pilot's license, it seems like you're just looking for an excuse to tell everybody you're a pilot. Okay. <laughs> There's memes out there that, you know, um, it's really weird, folks. When people get their pilot's license, they're so proud of it. They're just begging for somebody to go. Um, so wait a minute. You just talked about uh, a VOR or an NDB or uh, angle of attack. Are you a pilot? And you're like, I am. Why do you fly? 747s? Nope. A Cessna 152. <laughs> so folks, it's the human mind is so effed up that if you don't know how to control it, if you don't know yourself... You're, you're just going to be a complete mess. So um, I downloaded the Audible book called The Six Types of Working Genius. And the first time I listened to it, um, I was in total awe. The second time I listened to it, it really started to make me realize where I fit within teams. And what I mean by a team is, let's say that you're going to, okay, I'm going to give you a, a just a complete made-up scenario. And folks, look, this applies to theater on so many levels. I mean, I have seen so many people not fit into theater because they don't accept what they're good at. They don't, you know, folks, if I think if every college kid their freshman year had to listen to the book or read the book, The Six Types of Working Genius, and then they took the assessment and they realized where they fit within these six different types of people, um, I think it would blow, I think it would blow their minds. Okay. So the six types are, um, wonder, invention, discernment, galvanizing, enablement, and tenacity. Okay. And I'll tell you what my assessment is in a little bit. Um, but the thing is, is that if I'm going to make up a scenario that has nothing to do with theater. Okay. And I am, I'm, I'm going to make this a really dramatic story. Okay. So let's just say for a minute, okay, that you have um, a desert island. It's divided in half by a big wall. You all, six people are standing there. And you see this like um, uh, building, okay, kind of like a barn. And it's full of all these materials. And then you see a note on the ground laying in the sand and you pick it up and it says you have 120 days to figure out how to get off this island or you're dead. 
at the end of the 120 days, a door is going to open up and over 10,000 wild lions and crazy psycho baboons are going to come and eat you and, and devour your flesh. You are going to be dead. So you got like 120 or let's say 180 days to get off the island. But beware, the ocean is full of, you know, these like piranhas and stuff that will eat through a boat. So let's just ponder for a minute that all the people standing there are really good at enablement, but you don't have the invention person or the wanderer. Chances are with all those materials in that building, you're not going to know what to do. But if you had one person that's a wanderer, one that's an invention, one that's discernment, one that's galvanizing, one that's enablement, one with tenacity, the tenacity one means you're going to finish your project on time. The invention is the person who's probably going to build whatever the contraption is. The wanderer is going to be thinking about all the different things that could go wrong. They're going to be wondering about everything. If you had the six types of working genius on that island, chances are you would all live. You'd get off that island on time, on budget. <laughs> but if everybody is the same type, you're probably going to get eaten by the flesh-eating uh, uh, baboons. Okay. So, um, so what, what am I? Okay. So, and, and folks, th this costs 25 bucks. You can go to the, um, six type of working genius assessments, take the test or the assessment. And it's going to tell you, and, and, and I don't know, it took me maybe 10, 12, 13 minutes to take it. And it asks you, basically you have three ways to answer the questions. You know, I can't remember what they are. It's like, yeah, one is really me. The other one's kind of me. And the other one's not so much. Okay. But for me, I am, <laughs> I am an I and a W, which means I'm the inventor or invention and wanderer. Um, that's my working genius. My working uh, competency is discernment and tenacity, which kind of surprised me. Um, but then the working frustration is galvanizing the enablement, which really, it was depressing because I always thought, so let me break these down for you. Okay. Um, and folks, this is hard sometimes because you got to believe this. Okay. This isn't BS. Somebody spent a lot of time. And actually, if you listen to the book and you understand how this guy came up with this entire system, it, it, it was genius. You know, I hate the, yeah. folks, I don't like the word genius. And, and this is where I'm uncomfortable because, folks, I have been called many times in my life a genius, and it makes me uncomfortable because I'm just Damon. You know, to me, I'm just Damon, and all my friends know me as Damon, okay? But so I'm going to read this. Okay, a working genius. Your areas of working genius are invention and wonder. <clears throat> You're naturally gifted at uh, deriving energy and joy from creating original and novel ideas and solutions. Man, that that's spot on who I am. And then um, wonder, you are naturally gifted at and derive energy and joy from pondering the possibilities of greater potential and opportunities in a given situation. Um, now, look, that's 100% me. Okay, 100%. Working competency, your areas of working competency are discernment and tenacity. You're capable and don't mind using your uh, intuition and, and instincts to evaluate and assess ideas or plans. I agree with that. I, I think that makes sense. You're capable and don't mind pushing projects and tasks through to completion to ensure the desired results are achieved. Yeah, I, I mean, with I, I couldn't build the big model airplanes that have 18 and 20 foot wingspans that take three years if I didn't have some tenacity. They would all, I would have folks, one of the craziest things about 
building things yourself. You know, like when I used to build go-karts and speaker cabinets and all the different things I've done in my life. If it doesn't get done, it doesn't mean shit. Okay, you got to get it done. And I don't know how many times my wife has gotten so mad at me that I'm like 90% done with a big project and then I start another project. Okay, but folks, this is something that was hard on me. And look, I just want to be totally transparent. I'm wanting younger people listening to me to understand that it's okay to understand who you are, okay? Working frustrations. Your areas of working frustrations are galvanizing enablement. You're naturally gifted at and don't derive energy. I'm sorry, you aren't naturally gifted at and don't derive energy and joy from rallying people, inspiring them to take action around ideas, projects, and tasks. Um, to be honest, that's right, because I'm like, what the hell? Let's get this thing done. I'm, I, I'm not, you know, so, and then the E, uh, enablement. You aren't naturally gifted and don't derive energy and joy from pro, uh, providing others with encouragement and assistance for projects and tasks. Now, folks, this is going to sound really selfish when I say this. When I work with the right team on developing something, if everybody is all in, I'm really good at encouraging and telling everybody, great job, everybody, awesome, you're doing a great job. Okay, you'll hear me say that a lot. But if things aren't going perfect, I'm probably not um, as galvanizing and enablement as I should be, okay? Um, so, and folks, when you, when you take this assessment, I mean, it, it gives you a 12-page report about yourself, okay? So then you got um, invention and it breaks down. The genius of inventions about coming up with novel ideas and solutions to solve problems and address issues. Invention involves creativity and original thinking, often with little direction. People with this genius are confident and inspired by a problem that has no apparent solution. <laughs> Folks, that is 100% me. I love to be that shell answer man, as we used to call it. And they derive energy and joy from getting the opportunity to take the first crack at coming up with a new idea. The benefit of the, this genius is generally well understood in society, including anything related to innovation, novel thinking, original problem solving. So, folks, I mean, this, this is so weird how people have developed this, that it's so accurate. Okay. Now, look. I, you know, something over the years of, of listening to this thing, probably 10 times, if you're a narcissist or a psychopath, this probably won't apply to you, okay? Because this is one flaw I find in these type of evaluations. If you've ever done the DISC assessment or uh, now that I've done this, um, I still think this doesn't apply to people who genuinely don't want to fit in. And they literally, they're narcissists um, or they, they're are there a uh, psychotic or a psychopath? I've worked with psychopaths. I really have. So let's move on. Wonder. The genius of wonder involves pondering and asking questions. <laughs> That's me. Contemplating the reason why things are the way they are. People uh, with this genius uh, derive joy and energy from uh, uh, thoughtfully observing the environment around them and, and wondering whether they might be different or better or or a better way oh my god that that is so me compared to other geniuses wonder is not the most observable genius because it is a mostly internal process however almost every new 
uh, initiative, program, or project begins because someone wonders. The benefit of this genius includes asking big questions. <laughs> That's me prompting people to consider assumptions that may need to be questioned and challenging the status quo. Holy shit, Batman. I mean, folks, that is me. Your work and competencies. And look, I'm not going to read all of this, okay? Um, but, you know, the discernment and tenacity. I t Well, no, I I'm going to read. You know, let, let's, you know, I'm here. I'm vulnerable. Let's break this down, right? Uh, discernment. The genius of discernment involves making sound judgments, uh, relying on instinct and intuition across a wide uh, variety of situations. It entails pattern recognition and integrative thinking. Sorry, folks, that this sounds like I'm, I'm reading in like blocks. My dyslexia is terrible when I'm trying to read this. Rather than expertise, knowledge, and data as such. Uh, I, I'm sorry. See my, oh, my dyslexia. I need to read that sentence again. It entails patterns, rec pattern recognitions, and uh, uh, integrative thinking rather than expertise, knowledge, or data. As such, people with discernment have a knack for uh, a drive energy and joy from um, evaluating whether or not the idea is sound. Folks, that's in PD right there. Um, or if it requires further tweaking and adjustment. I mean, folks, that is in PD. That's invention. That's designing. The benefit of discernment are many... Ugh, my dyslexia. The benefits of discernment are many, even if they are somewhat difficult to pinpoint as a result of the intuitive nature of the gift. They include curating, evaluating, identifying the best ideas, and avoiding the ones that aren't good, and refining um, those that aren't yet ready. And folks, this is where I create friction with people. Because when I look at this discernment, that's where I'm the one who's always like, look, Guys, we, we've got to really understand what this means, okay? Um, tenacity. The genius of tenacity is about um, execution. It involves getting things done, uh, achieving results, and realizing the desire impact of the task or, or project. People with tenacity derive real joy and energy from crossing a task off a list and knowing that they have met the standards of completion. They're also comfortable pushing through obstacles. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> the benefits of this genius um, revolve around making sure that goals are met and projects are um, complete on time, even when uh, inevitable problems surface. That right there is R&D and um, uh, NPD and innovation and everything, okay? Now, folks, this is the part that really... Uh, uh, bothered me i'm just going to be honest um is these are my working frustrations oh and another thing folks if you really understand the six type of working geniuses it's trying to align you in an organization with what you love to do if you have a shit job and you do it five days a week you're just working to get to the weekend but if you have a job that you love you truly love you you you're not racing to the weekend and when employers hire people, and if they follow this six types of working genius, they're going to align people with jobs they love, and you're going to end up with a team that is so much more functional, okay? So these are where I really suck, okay? Like, I'm just, I got, you know, you, you've got to, 
uh, how do I say this? You, you, you need to be able to look in the mirror and honestly, now look, if you're a narcissist or a psychopath or a psychotic, you're probably going to look in the mirror and just start laughing and go, this entire assessment's bullshit. Okay. You're just probably just going to, um, you know, folks, I know this is probably too much. And I, I, I know I've leaked out another podcast that I had a little bit of challenging childhood, but my dad would say that this entire assessment here is total bullshit and done by people who are trying to control people. Um, he would never have been able to take this and truly try to accept what it would tell him. Okay. Um, and look, I'm an expert <laughs> at, at my dad. Okay. Um, I lived through it. So galvanizing this genius of galvan, uh, galvanizing is about rallying, motivating people often around projects, ideas, and initiatives that really hurt my feelings, folks. Well, this tells me that I have a hard time motivating people. I, I, I still in my heart know that if I get three or four people that have these other working geniuses working with me on a project and we all understand the goal, we all get along great. We all get along fantastically. And, you know, I've had people say, oh my gosh, Damon, you're so motivating. You should be a motivational speaker and all this crap. But when you really break down what this is telling me, I see it. I really see it because I'm so focused on my wonder and invention that, um, honestly, folks, um, this is where I fail. Well, I shouldn't use the word fail. So the genius of galvanizing about rallying and motivating people, often on projects, ideas, and initiatives, people with this gift of galvanizing um, derive joy and energy from inspiring and persuading others to take action to get things moving, even if it involves convincing them to rethink or change their plans. Um, galvanizing is relatively easy to identify as it is observable and often uh, a public activity. The benefits of this genius includes nurturing people, uh, excite, nurturing people's excitement about potentials by building energy and momentum around the program or idea. And folks, to be honest with you, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, shut up and do your job. <laughs> So I'm definitely not galvanizing. Um, enablement. Um, the genius of enablement involves entering the call to action and seamlessly providing others with the unconditional support and assistance they need. People with this genius get energy and joy from providing others with the support they need to get something started and by providing the human glue required to hold them together. Even though people with enablement are often ideal team members, they sometimes discount the importance of their genius, mistakenly believing that they are simply uh, amenable or nice. Uh, this benefit of the genius includes higher morale and greater interpersonal appreciation and support. Um, and then there's a note. Keep in mind, some people can become uh, adapt to activities and blah, blah, blah. So th this is... And then, folks, this goes into... Um, unique pairing, like what kinds of people should I work with? You know, um, I mean, folks, and I'm not going to go into this working genius pairing, you know, you got your, all these breakdowns of the kind of people that, you know, um, so hang on a minute. Let me, I don't know if I want to break all this down that deep, but, um, I want you to be able to read the book or listen to the book and take your own assessment, folks, 
and see where it puts you. Um, you know, the, the uh, uh, wanderer and uh, inventor is considered the creative dreamer. A, passion, uh, a passionate idealist with an endless stream of big questions and ideas to consider, comfortable with their heads in the clouds. Okay, that's me. Okay. Um, but then when you start to mix these people up into different groups, it kind of tells you, you know, different things you can do, like uh, the wonder and discernment and the wonder uh, and the uh, galvanizer. You know, when you start putting all these different things together it basically lays out what you got to have to have a absolutely kick-ass winning team within your organization um and then it talks about applying the working genius uh as a team and then analyzing the team map um folks this is some really deep stuff okay and then at the end of the assessment it goes want to go deeper you know and uh it gives you all these other tools that you can go online and do um and I'm, I'm going to kind of, folks, so look, here's one thing I, I want to share. When a young person reaches out to me and says, you know, Damon, I'm afraid of failure and I'm afraid I don't fit in. I think we all felt like that in the beginning. I don't know many people. Uh, and look, I, I've always been told that I'm full of piss and vinegar. Oh, we got to get Damon. He'll get this done. We got to get, you know we worked four years on this and nobody can finish it. If we get Damon on it, he'll get it done. Okay. I have been told that so many times, both in my aviation world and my theater life. And in folks, the thing is, is that, um, Oh gosh, how do I share this without sounding like a complete prick? Um, if we don't accept our own, weaknesses you will never have a, a truly i hate the word use word perfect but you'll never have that perfect working team okay um and i'm 61 years old and it's only been the last five years maybe eight years that i've really started to get this because these tools weren't available when i was 18 or 19 these tools weren't available when i was 20. Um, if you're a high school or a college uh, young man or woman listening to this podcast and you have all those fears and you don't know how you're going to fit in, I would really, I, I would really challenge you to listen to this book. Um, listen to the fifth discipline. Um, if you're, you're, I mean, folks, so many of these sales books I listen to apply to our everyday life. Like who moved my cheese? Okay, the, these are these are things that I call a continual education, and um, folks, I don't know how many times I've been a part of a team where I was asked to save today, Damon. Nobody can get this to work. Can you do it? And the first thing I do is I have everybody explain to me, and this is a mistake. I ask you, right? Tell me what's wrong. You're getting all these opinions where people are trying to protect why this hasn't worked. You're going to get excuses. You're going to have people give you disinformation. Not, not that they're doing it on purpose or trying to lie. It's the way they genuinely feel. Anytime a project is failing, nobody wants to stand up, hold their chest high and say, yes, we failed. Normally what happens is somebody didn't manage the project right. 
Somebody didn't understand the goal. Somebody didn't understand the budget. Somebody didn't understand. Folks, there are so many things that go into like developing product that would blow your mind. It took me 25 years to get my head around it. When you think about working on stage and, and like at the Lowly Theater, I had all these road shows coming through with all these different types of people. You know, I didn't have to team build. We were doing a road show. I had to be that. Uh, uh, I had to be that person who could get it done. I had to be that wanderer or that invention. Okay. Um, when I, when I got hooked on this and really understood it and I reflect on my last 40 years in this industry, it all kind of become clear to me on the type of people I got along with and the type of people I didn't. And, and folks, now keep in mind, there are flaws to this. Now, this is my personal opinion, okay? And, and I don't know if anybody would agree, but you're listening to my podcast, so you must want to know what I think, right? I have worked with people that truly are narcissistic. I have worked with people that are truly a psychopath or psychotic. Now, not it may not be full-blown where they're going to go around and start killing people, but I've worked with people where I was asked to fix something and the team was either so damaged or so pissed off that nobody is functional. And where my weaknesses are, I'm not that galvanizing enabler. I don't know how to turn them all around and make them all you know, sing kumbaya and give a big group hug and then go get the job done. I'm the one that's like, shut the F up and let's get this done. Okay, you've got a job, you got a task, get it the F done. And that's not the right way. But that's the way I've been for a long, long time. I have tried so hard. Look, and all of this is a complete waste of time if you're not going to take something away from it. If you don't understand where you're weak at, don't put yourself in a job where you're going to be a galvanizing person or an enabler. But make sure you do recognize that in yourself so that when you're treating other people, you're treating people right. These six things... I don't know if it's possible that anybody could be three of them or four of them or all six. This breaks it down into pairs. So if I'm that wanderer in that invention, yes, I'm still pretty good at the, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, discernment and tenacity. But I suck at galvanizing and enablement. But that means that I need to at least look at that galvanizing enablement and, and, and consider that in the way I'm treating people. Now, I don't want to be in that job. If somebody goes, Damon, we need a manager. We need someone that's going to pull the group together and infuse them and, and drive them and get them done and get it done. In my mind, I'd be like, well, yeah, you know, people say I should be a motivational speaker. I could do that. The reality is I'd fail. Okay. Now, if somebody called up and said, uh, Damon, you know, we need somebody to just sit around and think shut up. <laughs> That's the invention and wanderer. And I would be like, hell yeah, I'll do that. But folks, I know a friend and he's aviation. I know he is not going to be listening to this podcast, but he keeps wanting to be put in that invention and wanderer position in situations. And that's not who he is. He's actually that galvanizing enablement guy. He should be a stand-up comic. He, he brings, he can walk into a room, probably at a funeral and get everybody, you know, singing an ABBA song. Everywhere he goes, people start to glow. But when it comes to invention and wonder, he's really terrible, but he doesn't realize that. And I've actually said, dude, you need to listen or, or read The Working Genius. 
but he thinks he doesn't need to. So folks, look, I'm just telling you, this will change your life. If, if you, if you're not a narcissist or a psychotic or, a, you know, if you were a normal person, well, you don't even want to use the word normal because theater people aren't normal. Um, but I want to end this with one thing about failure that I, I want to share with you. Okay. Um, in, in, in folks, um, we all have a certain level of ego. Okay. Now some people say ego is a elevated, you know, uh, level of pride we take pride we love what we do so we know we're good at it is that ego um there was a time that i was asked uh well, how do i know how do i say this there was a time i was asked to do a task and the team was so dysfunctional that i took it upon myself to get it done and it got done but I did virtually almost all of it on my own by myself. And it wrecked me mentally. It wrecked me uh, kind of physically. Cause it, I mean, it, it ran it, folks. It ran me down so much that I, I hated just about everything around me seriously, because I was trying to save the day for a situation. I don't even want to talk about what industry this was in actually. And at the end it got done. Everybody was happy, but it just, it made me just hate that I even took it on because every step of a way, somebody got in my way. Somebody told me I was wrong or somebody said it wouldn't work. I knew it would work. And what I should have done was gone back to the boss at the time and say, Hey, look, here's where my challenges are. I can't get this person to do their job. I can't get this person to do their job. I can't get this person to even talk to me. And I should have went back. Now, this was like 23 years ago, folks. Okay. And that's, that's all I want to say about it. But if I would have known what this six types of working genius was back then, I probably would have sat down with my boss and went through, I don't know, eight or 10 different ideas of how to get this thing back on track and let my boss be the bad guy. Let my boss be that galvanizer and enabler of these people to get this project done instead of me doing it completely on my own by myself. Because folks, sometimes, at least people like me, we don't have time to teach people. We don't have time to enable and galvanize. If there is a goal and it's got to get done, people like me take it upon ourselves to just do it and, and, and forget that it's dysfunctional. And, and that's not the most healthy way for your, your mental state. Okay? So... Um, so I'm begging you, if you're a college kid uh, or even a high school kid and you have those emotions all of us have, we don't want to fail. We don't know if we're going to fit in perfectly. We, and I don't say all people are like this, but I have talked to a lot of people that this is a common fear. Okay. Um, now, this may blow up my whole podcast, but I've noticed people that have really supportive parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, and you've been a part of sports, you understand team building. In theater, we don't really know how to teach team building. When you're an athlete and you have to be part of that, like football, basketball, 
I mean, I wouldn't include bowling because it's not a team sport. Um, but the thing is, is that there's so many things that teaches team building that we don't realize is really teaching team building. In the theater, we really don't teach team building. We don't. We know we all build a set together. But is anybody really saying, okay, who's the best at cutting wood? Who's the best at painting? Who's the best at nailing? Who's the best at designing the set? Who's the best at wondering what could go wrong? None of that ever happens. So I'm just telling you, if you listen to this book or read this book and take, take this assessment, I will almost guarantee you it's going to change the way you look at things. Um, so yeah, that's it. So folks, thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you understand my intent here is not to be a lecturer or be a teacher or talk down to you. I'm talking about how this is changing my life. And if it changes my life, I, I bet it could, I bet it could go a long way to, to helping you. I, I really do. Um, and, uh, I know this kid I talked to, um, is going to listen to it. I think he's already, I mean, he got the book, I think, um, or he's reading on a tablet or whatever the hell <laughs> folks with technology. There's no reason you couldn't listen to or read this book and the assessment's 25 bucks. And if you can't afford the 25 bucks, I'll, now I got to be careful. I don't know how many podcast people I have, but I have a way to send you this, this test. And I think I can pay for it, but I'm telling you the 25 bucks is worth it. And folks, that's what, two Starbucks drinks? Okay, screw the Starbucks for three or four days and read this book and take the assessment, okay? So look, rock on everybody. If you are, um, please support the arts, folks. Please, there's so many performing arts complexes that are going up that are awesome. There's so many theaters getting renovated. There's still a huge draw toward theater. Please support it, okay? If you're a mom and dad listening to this, um, read the book, uh, The uh, Six Types of Working Geniuses. Okay, mom and dad, and take the assessment and see what it tells you. Um, so rock on, everybody, uh, and I'll talk to you next time. Be safe, and uh, yeah, rock on. Bye-bye.